We began this series three Sundays ago as we looked at Jesus' baptism and our own baptisms. I think that um, we need to remember that it all begins with baptism. It all begins with baptism, with water and the word, with the power of the Holy Spirit. That is the foundation of our lives as followers of Jesus. Now, I love baptisms, infant baptisms, adult baptisms, children, youth, I love them all. I love every baptism. I mean, I have enjoyed being with parents who dutifully and obediently bring their children to God's house to be baptized, to be ushered into this relationship that they promised to raise their child with. What a powerful response to God's word. I love it when youth who have been disconnected from God begin to form a relationship with Jesus. I love adults who have lived a different life, never a part of the church, and for some reason, some issue, some event in their life has drawn them to the church. And they are grateful. And they are excited. I love baptisms of every kind. Because the responses to God's word of God's promises. Then we talked about the invitation from Jesus. The invitation to come and see. Jesus mentioned that to Simon and Andrew. John the Baptist said that. Also, Philip, as he is called by Jesus, goes to his friend Nathaniel, and he says, come and see. It's a common reference to Jesus and to Jesus' mighty works, his signs and his wonders, his miracles. Come and see. And so they follow Jesus, and they begin to see what Jesus is saying and doing. And they work to replicate that as followers of Jesus. Come and see what he is doing. And so we ask the question, do our lives look anything like Jesus? Do we resemble Jesus in any way? Well, last week, we moved then from come and see to come and do. Do you remember Jesus' first teaching? Mark 1.15, the time promised by God has finally come. The kingdom is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. That was the word from last week. Come and do. Come and follow Jesus and do what he teaches. He's teaching his disciples to repent, to turn away from the past, to turn away from the old way of life and turn and plan a new way of life as a follower of Jesus. Last Sunday, we began, if you remember, with a crisis. John the Baptist had been arrested. He was imprisoned by King Herod Agrippa. And then through a festival, dinner, a banquet feast, when he seemed to enjoy his stepdaughter's dancing, 
He promised her anything, up to half of his kingdom. And she and her mother asked for one thing, for John the Baptist's head on a platter. That was the crisis that began Jesus' ministry. Let me say that if you think being a Christian is supposed to make your life easier, it is not. Following Jesus is messy. And it will even get you into trouble. Because when we follow Jesus, it stops being about our way and it begins to be about God's way, the way of Jesus. And when we experience conflict, it is not fun and it is never easy. Some of you have experienced confrontation yourselves personally. And if our personal lives were not enough, we have all been confronted by a crazy virus that has impacted this whole world, the globe of our, nation, of our nations. And if that's not enough, here in this nation, we've also been attacked by a political virus that is tearing us apart as a nation. So what is a Christian supposed to do? What are we to do in the midst of crises? Well, Jesus tells us, and it's simple. Repent and believe in a new way of life. Repent from your past, from your sins, from your brokenness. And begin to live into a life of joy, into a life of challenge, into a life of excitement. One of the things that we have been learning is about ourselves. Because we all experience these crises and these confrontations but we might experience them a bit differently. It's one of the things that I currently and continually work at. When someone attacks me, my first reaction is to fight back. I'm a fighter. May not look like it, but deep down I'm a fighter. And so I was so disheartened and disgusted on Wednesday, January 6th, when I saw the mob attack our U.S. Capitol. And the one ray of hope that I had from that event was watching the Capitol Police officer, Eugene Goodman, as he led a group of rioters away from the Senate chambers. As he led them away from our vice president and away from some of our U.S. senators. What I learned afterwards was that it was not a split-minute decision that he made. It wasn't something he just instantly thought of and did. It was something he had been trained to do. He had come out of the U.S. military. And they had trained him how to act in the midst of a crisis. 
And my friends, we as Christians need to take a lesson from this. It wasn't a quick decision. It was something that he had planned for and had trained for, for months, for years. Hearing Jesus, listening to Jesus, and doing what he is training his disciples to do. That is how we follow Jesus today. Jesus is teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum, a city in Galilee. And he is teaching them as one with authority, unlike the scribes. Suddenly he was confronted by a man who was possessed by an evil spirit, a demon. And this demon starts to scream, to cry out, What have you to do with us, Jesus? Have you come to destroy us? Then the demon acknowledges that which many humans cannot. The demon says to Jesus, I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. You are the Holy One, the Messiah, the Christ. You are the Son of God. The demons know who he is. And they are prepared to announce it. Jesus is confronted, it says. That's the, Greek trans the English translation of the Greek word. Jesus is confronted by this man with the evil spirit. It is not an easy encounter. It is a challenging encounter. He is confronted by the man. And what does Jesus do? Jesus speaks to him. Listen to his words. They're important. Jesus speaks to the man who's possessed by the demon. These are the first two words that he says. Be silent. Be silent. Suddenly the demon began to convulse the man, throwing him to the ground. Again, if you think following Jesus is going to be easy, these stories show us that it is not. You will experience crises. You will experience confrontations. You will experience people convulsing, being thrown to the ground. The first word that Jesus says in the midst of this confrontation is be silent. Do we hear those words? Be silent. Now, there are probably many different ways of interpreting these words, but there's two ways in particular that I, that I hear as I read this text. The first reference is to stop letting your reactions take hold of you. Stop letting your impulses control you. You know, I told you earlier, somebody attacks me, my first inclination, my first reaction, my impulse is to fight back. But Jesus says, be silent. Don't do that. Don't fight back. 
one of my former supervisors used to teach us. Be proactive, not reactive. Be thinking ahead, planning ahead, how you will deal with these encounters. Practice them, rehearse them, so that you are prepared for them. Then think of better ways to respond and practice them some more. So the first listen, the first call to hearing is to be silent. Stop being reactive. And plan how you will respond to crises. The second is to listen. And here I mean to actually listen. <laughs> Patty was talking to me a week or so ago about the grandkids. And I had been working on a project, I think it was probably the annual meeting. And so I had all this stuff buzzing around in my head thinking about all the different things we had to be doing for this congregational meeting. And she, I could hear her talking to me and I could tell that it was about the grandkids. And then I remember she stopped and she says, have, have you heard what I've been saying? <laughs> well, I was not at my computer. I wasn't working on the project, but the, the project was still going in my head. I was listening, but not to Patty. I was listening to me. And so what the second meaning of this means to me is that we just sometimes have to stop and listen. To be silent means to silence all the stuff going on inside of our heads so that we can listen. All that stuff that's churning, maybe it's work, maybe it's the television, maybe it's social media. Sometimes you just have to stop and turn it off in order that you can listen. To be silent. To be truly silent in order to hear the words of Jesus. The second thing that Jesus says today that we should take note of is come out of this man. <laughs> he's speaking not to the man when he says be silent, come out of this man. He's speaking to the demon who has decided to reside within the man. Come out of him. Jesus says. At that, the evil spirit screams, throws the man into a convulsion, and then comes out of him. What Jesus is telling us here, if we can listen, is that confronting evil and restoring health and reconciliation, these things will put your life in danger. Doctors and nurses who are trying to heal sick patients from this unknown virus and heal patients from other diseases, other illnesses, they are putting their lives on the front line for the sake of the sick every single day. Christians who speak out against injustice for a particular group of people will often be demonized. 
If you listen to Jesus, you will hear that bringing about the kingdom of God will create convulsions. It will disturb the equilibrium. And there'll be screaming and unrest. So let's not be surprised. So this may lead us to the question, we are Lutherans, you know, we're just common, normal, everyday Christians, middle of the road, not too high, not too low. So why would we want anything to do with this? Well, this is why I think we want something to do with this, because in the end, even the unclean spirits, even the demons obey Jesus. If the demons are obeying Jesus, we should certainly be obeying Jesus. Jesus teaches with an authority that these people had never seen before. It says that they were in amazement. They were astonished. They had never heard people teach like this before. When their scribes and rabbis, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the priests, when they would teach, they would always teach according to tradition. They would teach according to other great teachers. And so they would maybe highlight a favorite rabbi who supported their interpretations. But Jesus, he didn't use those. He didn't refer to Billy Graham. He didn't refer to famous theologians or pastors or preachers or evangelists. He just spoke the word of God. And as a matter of fact, what he often did, besides teaching through parables, he oftentimes used Scripture to interpret Scripture, which is, for me, a powerful way for us to hear the Word of God. I can tell you stories, and I do that on occasion, but the most important thing that I can do is tell you Scripture stories that highlight what Jesus is teaching We are called to teach with that same authority that Jesus has. Not to fall back upon our traditions. You know, one of our traditions that I grew up with, maybe not all of you, but some of you probably grew up as I did, was around suicide. Tradition was that if someone committed suicide, that they had blasphemed the Holy Spirit and they were unable to be saved. They were condemning themselves to hell. Now, I was told that so that I would not ever think of committing suicide, I suppose. That was the tradition that the church taught me and that others had taught in the church prior to me. So from generation to generation, for multiple generations, we were told that if you took your life, 
you were condemned to hell. Some churches even acted it out, demonstrated it, so that if you had committed suicide and you wanted to be buried in the church cemetery, they wouldn't allow you to be buried in the church cemetery. They made room for you to be buried outside of the church cemetery fence. You couldn't be included because all the other sheep were good, but you're, you're not. I was asked years ago now to preside at the funeral of a woman who had committed suicide. And I remember thinking about that tradition and thankful that I had been taught by, by other pastors and professors in seminary about the authority of God's word. Because what Jesus said in Matthew 5, verse 3, is this. With all of his authority, blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit here are those who are suffering from a mental suffering, a mental, um, spiritual, social um, type of illness. It's what we would today refer to as people that experience depression, um, other mental health issues. That's what that word translated means. Mental health. Jesus said, blessed are those who suffer from mental health issues. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not outside the church fence cemetery. Inside the church cemetery this is the power of authority from God that you are welcomed in to God's family that you receive a place at God's table just because you have suffered from an illness does not move you or remove you away from God. What Jesus was saying is that he came to free people, not to bind them up some more. Too often we in the church have bound people up instead of freeing them. And that's why I do this. Even though I experience confrontation, disagreement, the silent treatment, all of those things, I still do this because I want you to know that Jesus means that his freedom is for you. It said that Jesus speaks with authority and he does so so that you will hear and respond. Jesus is the new Moses. That's the reading, the second reading from today is the Deuteronomy reading. I want to highlight verse um, 15 from chapter 18. Um, listen to what Moses said about one who would come after him. Moses continued, The Lord your God will come upon, uh, will raise up for you a prophet like me, from among you, 
your fellow Israelites, you must listen to him. So Moses proclaimed that a great prophet would be raised up from amongst the Israelites and that they should listen to him. The common interpretation of this text amongst the Jews during the time of Jesus was that what Moses was speaking about was the coming of the Messiah. And so it is not a surprise to me that Peter picks up on this in his first sermon that he preaches after the Pentecost in Acts chapter 3. He says in verse 22, Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. You see, he's picking up on this. And then later in verse 26 of chapter 3, he says this, When God raised up his servant Jesus, he sent him first to you, people of Israel, to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. Jesus is the new Moses who has come to bless you, not to curse you, to bless you. Jesus is the one with authority that has come into this world, not to condemn it, but to save it. Peter references these things when he tells the people that he's preaching to that this blessing from God has come first for you, the Jews. That God's blessing has come for you. And thankfully for us, this, available, this blessing is available for us who follow as well. Our call is to listen, to come and hear, and to know that there is power in his word. That if we allow that word to be released, to be proclaimed, to be shared in our worship, in our Bible studies, in our gatherings, if we allow that word be shared, God will begin to transform a world that is so in need of it. And who wouldn't want to hear this word in this broken world? Even the evil spirits hear him and obey him. Amen.